The dog is dead. The system's been out of commission for the past five hours, basically your whole morning in this cramped little section of the ship. You stare at the screen and push some more buttons, and another error message appears. Dog. Dimensional-oriented guidance. Please reconfigure record drives. And yet, surprise, surprise, you've already reconfigured the record drives. You're on hold through your communication implant with some flunky in central command on Mars, New Earth, whatever people like to call it. They get sensitive about that kind of thing around the holiday. You feel Steve's presence come up behind you, the supposed pilot of this mandatory stint. He takes his role of pilot very seriously, even though the ship's AI basically runs itself. They just need bodies. Steve yells out a big money Steve, like he always does, and laughs, though it has amused you approximately zero times out of the 12 trillion he said it. He asks how the technician's doing, since he likes the theatricality of the whole ship experience. You're the technician, with a capital T, but the roles are basically like playing dress-up. The larger mission you're doing, the search party project, has been going on for years, and not a peep from any alien presence. Apparently the prevailing theory these days is that any organism would have to come from another dimension, hence the new and rather faulty equipment, the dog. Steve says you're missing out on the festivities in the kitchen, which you refrain from telling him is exactly what you want to be doing, and what a relief that the dog gives you a reason to not enter that godforsaken pit of relational dysfunction. Yes, the search party project is a mandatory drafted assignment if anyone or their family chooses to move to Mars, but you couldn't possibly have imagined the lugs you'd get stuck with. You tell him you just really need to get this fixed. The mission depends on it, after all, which satisfies him. You hang up on central command in your implant and turn around as Steve gives another whoop of Big Money Steve and lumbers out of the capsule. You didn't think with reduced gravity it was possible to lumber, but Steve is a true iconoclast. You hear him yell down the corridor for Walter to stop watching the damn telescreen, it's only one entertainment feed anyways, and to come celebrate in the kitchen. You look back to your big monitor with the error on it and feel another crew member lingering behind you. It's definitely Diane, she lingers way more than anyone. You push buttons to ignore her, setting the machine again to reconfigure, but she asks why you can't join them. It's colonization day, after all, and they're just trying to make things feel more familiar, since being out here for so long together, and Sandra is making the traditional proto-cakes, like in the old days, but you don't feel like saying anything to Diane, or Sandra, or Walter, or Steve, and would prefer to sit in this capsule for the next two years of this pointless assignment. She's a right one, eh, mate? What? You say? And Diane says she wants you to come help them set up for dinner in the kitchen. Fair dinkum, though. She's not wrong. Uh, yeah, you say, confused, checking your comm implant, which is definitely disconnected from central command. Diane says good. She motions for you to stand up. Ah, quit your engine. There is a voice in your head, you think. Right out, mate. It says. Diane grabs your hand and leads you out of the capsule down the corridor. The voice in your head is first contact from an interdimensional and vaguely Australian alien, and the dog is dead. No worries, mate. It'll run soon. Oh, hell. Diane ushers everyone around the central island of the kitchen capsule, and you stand a step back. There's no way you're telling them about this. You can't trust them. You barely know them. These missions have been a bust for so long, who knows what Central Command or anyone else might think. They could pry your brain apart, or something worse. Oh, come on, mate. Shut up, you think. You've got to get back to fix the dog. Sandra starts mixing the powder for the proto-cakes in a bowl. 
and hits Steve's hand away from licking any of the batter. Walter makes an under-his-breath comment about how proto-cakes are not really an authentic tradition for Colonization Day, and shows his take on true holiday spirit. Walter unfurls a string of New Earth flags, crudely colored and cut out during the time Walter should have been doing something science-related, being the ship's biologist. He asks you where the tape is. Mind your own bizzo. Mind, uh, I don't know, you say. Sandra guffaws at the string of little flags. She says Walter absolutely cannot put those up. Diane takes sides. She says her family used to put up the flags in their pod on Mars when they first moved, and it makes things feel like home. Sandra objects again, saying it's an affront to everyone's cultural conception of a new Earth, and there's no way she'll allow it. Walter grabs for the bowl she's mixing in and proclaims that the proto-cakes are an effect to his cultural perception, which you know is him being argumentative without the need to make sense. She's just jealous. Shut up, you think again, as a tug of war goes on between the string of flags and the mixing bowl. Diane and Walter on one side, Sandra on the other. Big Money Steve stands in the middle, shouting about traditions and how we can uphold both, right? You're all a bunch of whackers. You're all a bunch of whackers, you say and they look confused. For once, you and this multidimensional alien presence are in agreement. Bolstered by the crew's undivided attention, you tell them both traditions sound stupid. You suggest everyone eat dinner and mind their own business so that you can go back to doing your job. You cringe a little as you say it, but everyone shuffles quietly out of the kitchen to the mess hall room. Grab some toothpaste before you leave. No, you think. We're not in agreement after all. You make your way to the mess hall. Steve must have set the table while you were in the control room. Seems like everybody did something for colonization day. The food is placed out, little napkins by the cutlery, but it's still just the same old trays of prefabricated, nutrition-dense meals. You sit down at your usual spot and feel someone lingering over you. You expect it to be the only lingerer in the group? Yep, it's Diane. She reaches around you and puts a tray at the center of the table. You see Steve's eyes grow wide across from you. You read the label on the side. Chicken. Diane asks if you've ever had it, since you moved to Mars as a kid, right? You say no, that that's not exact, but excitement fills the room as the whole crew goads you on to try the chicken. It's a rarity out here in deep space. I'll tell you what to do with the toothpaste. Stop with the toothpaste, you think. Diane says she ordered the chicken specially and loaded it on when they docked at the station last cycle. Watch it, mate. Not so fast. Doesn't anyone else hear this? You look around, but it's the same eager expression on the crew's faces. Steve heaps some chicken onto his tray. Sandra asks you if everything's all right. She starts to scoop some onto your tray. That's too much. She stops scooping, and you wonder if she heard it this time. The whole crew stares at you. Walter stops chewing. They say it's okay if you don't have any. What's the problem? You're the problem. I just want to get back to my work and get off this stupid ship and have everyone stop acting like they care, you think. The crew's faces say everything, because you definitely just spoke that. And so you push yourself away from the table and storm back to the control room. Okay, mate. If that's what you want, I'll be here. You enter the control room, closing the door behind you, and sit down. You look up at the screen as a countdown reaches zero. The screen goes blank, except for two new words. Configuration complete. The handheld device on the shelf beside you buzzes and lights up. Dimensional presence detected, it says, as the beeping continues its soft pulse. The alien is on board the ship. A knot forms in your throat. It's up to you. 
It takes a moment to gather yourself after the mess that was dinner. You hold up the device, following the screen directions, and leave, looking to find the source. You exit the control room, clutching the detection device in one hand. The overhead circadian lights for the ship activate, and a dim, soft glow illuminates the corridor. You slink down it, passing the mess hall. It sits empty. Your outburst must have spoiled the mood, and the crew surely dispersed to their nightly routines. You turn the corner, following the layout of the ship, indicated on the device. You turn around to the noise as a climate control system turns on, and as you step back, your foot slips, which gives you a scare. It's a string of new Earth flags pulled out from the disposal unit. You keep following the beeping, turning left down the next hallway. A loose flag rests on the ground, and another, and you look down the length of the hallway. It's Sandra, so you tuck into an alcove. Is she infected, or possessed, or whatever this thing is doing? You peer around. She's putting up Walter's flags. You stare, confused. She hates those flags, though, right? The device points you onward. You avoid Sandra and turn down the hallway to the kitchen. A soft glow illuminates the kitchen, and something rustles around. The food storage locker opens, and you duck into the darkness behind the doorway. You look in, and a figure rises, holding something. It's Walter, putting proto-cake batter into a mold to bake. He licks a bit off the spoon and smiles. Why is he making those? You look down at the device, and it beckons you further into the ship. You trek onward and step to the threshold of the lounge room. Big Money Steve sits watching the telescreen. You look at Steve as he notices you, then you check the device. On it, the words, Dimensional Presence Found. Steve shuts off the telescreen before you can say anything and stands up. He approaches you cautiously. Does he know about this? Has he been infected the whole time? What could he possibly... Steve sniffles as he stands in front of you. He says he's sorry you don't feel included with the crew. He apologizes for the rest of them and says they're good people and hopes that you can give them another chance. He knows he's needed them out here. He says he cares. They all do. And he wipes his eyes with his sleeve. You look at him and down at the device with its message. What in space is happening? You tell Steve you're going to call the rest of the crew together, if that's okay. You have something to tell everyone. He says not to worry, and peeks his head down the corridor and yells through the ship that you have an important announcement. Everyone shuffles in, Sandra holding flags, Walter still licking the spoon. You wait for Diane, but of course she lingers behind you in the doorway. You tell her to come in, and everyone sits down. You look down at the device again, as they look towards you expectantly. You have to tell them. You start, saying there's something that's been going on with you. The truth is, you don't know how to celebrate this holiday with people. You didn't move to Mars as a kid. Your family is still on the old Earth. You moved as far away as possible so you wouldn't have to be in some messed up family. And well, here you are. You say you're sorry for how you were today and start to walk out. 
Sandra stands up quickly and stops you with a hug. She lets you know that it's okay. If she'd known, she wouldn't have been so serious about things. She says her family are total wackos too, and she can barely stand to be around them. Steve smiles at you as Walter holds up his spoon, offering it for you to lick. You take it reluctantly, but it tastes sweet and good. Diane stands beside you, simply being there, like she always is. You look down at the detection device in your hand. Steve sighs, how he's glad it all worked out, and what a great way to end colonization day. Walter says the cherry on top would be a little more Agent Aussie Joe. He turns on the telescreen and asks if you ever fixed the alien-finding machine, the cat or whatever. Say, I told you that's why we needed the take price. You look at the telescreen. Walter exclaims, what a great secret agent Aussie Joe is. He's so industrious. This is the one where he starts a truck with toothpaste. Steve objects to his accent. Why couldn't they have just gotten an actual Australian person for this season? You look to the screen again and ask tentatively, if anybody has been hearing, you know, stuff in their comm implants today? Diane gasps that she's so sorry they must have forgotten to tell you since you were in the control room all day. Their implants were all on the fritz at breakfast, so they just turned them off. Yeah, Steve yells. Didn't you hear me yelling for everyone today? You hold the dimensional-oriented guidance device, still clearly broken, making contact with an imaginary presence on the screen, searching for life, a connection, far off into the depths. Mind your own bizzo, mate. This is the last straw. And don't you ever think of coming around here again. With your implant turned off, you ask if there's room for you on the couch. Always, Steve yells. Always. Thanks so much for listening. The Dog is Dead is written by me, Taylor Zablowski, at a table in the public library recorded under a blanket in my closet, and edited in a fast food restaurant booth with the nearest power outlet. Let me know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes or sending a message at zablowski.com. Feel free to share this podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it. And thanks again. Thanks again.